Abner Mares is a world champion boxer, Olympian, sports commentator, and most importantly, dad to two little girls. Beloved by abuelas and hardcore fans alike, Abner is a pro at entertaining the world both in and out of the ring. On Blue Wire's new podcast, On the Hook with Abner Mares, we'll hear from Abner, his family, fellow athletes, and other people who made him the boxer and the man he is. They'll chat about topics like the state of boxing and sports, music, culture, and family life, along with being a husband and a girl dad. So listen to On the Hook with Abner Mares wherever you get your podcasts. Episodes in English out on Tuesdays and episodes in Spanish out on Wednesdays. Blue Wire. With the first pick in the 2009 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Matthew Stafford. Stafford, step it up. Going left side. Watch Calvin. Enzo got him. Oh, baby, that was a rocket. And it's picked off. Intercepted by Darius Slade. No one will catch him. Touchdown, Lions. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Michael Rothstein Show. I am your host, as always, Michael Rothstein. This episode brought to you by multiple sponsors. It's brought to you by Bet Online. It's brought to you by Indeed and by Pepsi. So go check out all of those sponsors. It's going to be a bit of a shorter show today. I felt like we covered a lot in yesterday's program. Not to sound like my grandparents like watching television from days of yore, but Feel like we covered a lot yesterday. Feel like we're going to cover a lot, as always, in our mailbag tomorrow. So a little bit of a shorter episode, shorter exercise today. And one of the things I wanted to hit on was kind of a few things that I noticed from the Jacksonville game that the Lions can take, carry with them, and maybe use them to improve here as they go on. Because if you do look at the Lions' schedule from here until the end of November... It is a schedule that they can do something with. That frankly, if they're going to have any chance to save Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn's jobs, they're going to have to do something with. The Falcons are a one-win team. The Colts are a little bit hit and miss, depending on what you get. The Vikings look like a bad team. Washington, bad team. Carolina, very mediocre team. Texans, I still think they've got a lot of talent, especially on offense, and that could be a problem. But... Again, a team they should beat. Look at that schedule. They should win all but one of those games if they really want to have any chance of contending this year. That's just the reality. If they are as good as they believe that they are, as they say that they are, especially with a final stretch of Chicago, Green Bay, Tennessee, Tampa Bay, and Minnesota, you have to, have to, have to dominate this middle stretch of the season. So what can they take from the game against the Jaguars that can maybe do that? And yeah, I just said Jaguars. Not really sure why I said Jaguars. It's Jaguars. First would be DeAndre Swift. And I wrote about him on Monday. The Lions need to find ways to continue to get him involved in the offense. I thought that Sunday was a good start. 
They had him basically share carries with Adrian Peterson. They got him more involved in the passing game, although not as involved as we've seen in the past, but he still got a decent amount of targets for a running back when you've also got Kenny Galladay and TJ Hawkinson and Marvin Jones on your team to contend with as far as guys needing work in the passing game. But there is no reason that you shouldn't time share DeAndre Swift with Adrian Peterson. We're seeing that in snap counts. Swift actually outsnapped Peterson by two in Sunday's game. I think that that's a fair way to go about it as Swift is still learning the game in a lot of ways. There are going to be some situations that call for a heavier dose of Swift, some that frankly call for a heavier dose of Peterson, and it's a way to kind of manage Peterson a little bit to make sure you're still getting the most out of him in December as you are now. Because listen, I still think Adrian Peterson has had a fine season and is a good back. Of course, what all of this means for On Johnson really remains to be seen. At this point, it feels like On Johnson is almost going to fall into that Zach Zenner type of role. And yes, I realize I'm going back into the archive a little bit with Zach Zenner, to use Matthew Stafford's words from last week. But if you remember, Zach Zenner would come in, handful of plays, was maybe their best pass protector. Sometimes he'd make a big play. Sometimes he'd do the little things on a play. He's a guy that if you really needed him due to an injury, you could count on him, but he wasn't going to get that much run. That, to me, is where Carryon Johnson is at this point in his career with the Lions. What does that mean for him down the road beyond this season? Well, I think that's still way too early to tell. And I know some people have asked about that, but there's so much that can happen, be it injuries to other backs. Who knows what's going to happen with this coaching staff and general manager? And then if a new regime were to come in, maybe they see Carryon Johnson in a different light. But... Right now, Carryon Johnson's role is diminishing. Carryon Johnson, for his credit, has very much said, hey, I'm cool with the role I'm given, whatever it is, I just want to win. He's saying all of the right things, and that is very admirable for Carryon Johnson because every back wants the ball, every back wants to be in the game plan, and Carryon Johnson's role in the plan seems to be shrinking by the week as DeAndre Swift's role increases, so... The Lions need to keep DeAndre Swift involved. He has a level of explosion and a one-cut ability that the other running backs on the Lions just don't have. And you pair him with Adrian Peterson. If you put them both in the backfield at the same time, that could cause some real havoc for opposing defenses going forward. And I think that they've found something there in DeAndre Swift. Sticking on offense a little bit. I know I think I've said it a couple of other weeks, but they have to find some way to get Marvin Jones more involved in the offense because right now it's just not working. And if you can get Jones involved, there is a way to make this offense even more deadly than it has been so far in some situations. And listen, Marvin Jones is just not getting great separation this year, but that's also never been who he has been. It just seems like there's less of an opportunity for him to make plays. Because look at it. He has just basically dropped off the face of the Lions' offensive planet. Now, he did have one catch, an impressive one, called back last week due to a a holding penalty. But look at his numbers game over game. Well, you can't look at them, but I, I can look at them and I'm going to read them to you. Look at his numbers game over game here. 
in 2020. Week one, eight targets, four catches, 55 yards. Take that. Week two, six targets, four catches, 23 yards, a touchdown. Most of that production was in the first quarter. Week three against Arizona, three catches, three targets, 51 yards, no touchdowns. She'll take the yardage. Week four, two targets, one catch, nine yards. Week six, game five, five targets, two catches, eight yards. That's 17 yards combined in the last two games for Marvin Jones. And while I've said on prior podcasts, as I said on the radio earlier, uh, really last week, like there are games where Marvin Jones kind of goes quiet. But I went back and I looked and I could not really find too many instances of him being this quiet in back-to-back games. The last time that he has had back-to-back games where he's had under 10 yards receiving was in 2013 when he was with Cincinnati. He had one catch for two yards against Baltimore. The next week, he had one catch for nine yards against Cleveland. He had nine total targets in those two games. So they were at least trying to get him the ball. By the way, he followed that up with two two catches for 12 yards the week after against the Chargers before having a fairly good three touchdowns in four games stretch to end that 2013 season. But you look at that, and right now, I mean, he's not even getting that level of targets. He's gotten seven total targets in the last two games combined. The Lions have to figure out a way to get him going because that will open things up for Kenny Galladay, who's gaining a lot of attention right now. And we're going to get to him a little bit after the break. And it's going to open things up for TJ Hawkinson. It will potentially open things up for Danny Amendola slash Jamal Agnew, whoever is really playing in the slot. They have to figure out a way to do it. And if you're not going to be able to figure out a way to do it, maybe you see if there's somebody else who can. And if, whether that's Marvin Hall, whether that's Quintez Cephas, uh, maybe that's the way to go. I'm not advocating benching Marvin Jones. I think Marvin Jones is a good wide receiver. But right now, they're just not able to get him the ball. I'm not sure whether that's on Stafford, whether that's on the offensive scheme or game plan, or that is on Jones himself. But it is just clearly a problem right now. We'll be back right after this break with some more thoughts of how the Lions can take what they've done against Jacksonville and maybe turn them into positives for the future, along with a couple of things they haven't been doing, like the Marvin Jones situation, that they need to rectify. Stay with us. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever, and Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. 
Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. And... Thanks to the lack of natural athleticism or commitment or just overbearing sports parents, and I know those, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably one of them. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how much you watch. That could even mean watching the Lions, who won in Jacksonville, maybe resurrecting their season a little bit. We'll see, obviously, what happens here down the road. But you can have Pepsi while you're watching them. Because Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Now, back to our show. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking with us. By the way, I apologize for the sniffles. If you hear them every once in a while over the microphone, hopefully they're not too bad. Allergy season is upon upon us and I have consistently pretty terrible allergies. So just kind of dealing with it and working with it and working as we go here. So the third thing I wanted to hit on here in this podcast is... Zone versus man, because I didn't know exactly what they played, exactly what they didn't. It just felt like they played a lot more zone and that they blitzed a lot more and got a lot more pressure against Jacksonville. Then when I woke up Monday morning and I looked at our very handy ESPN stats and information page, and much appreciated as always to ESPN stats and info for all of this, I saw numbers and numbers that startled me. In week six, The Detroit Lions played man defense 39.1% of the time. That is the least amount of man that they have played in a game in Matt Patricia's tenure with the Detroit Lions. That is stunning to me. Because consider, in week one, they played 82.1% man against the Chicago Bears. Which of course means they played 60.9% zone against the Jaguars which was their highest of the season, the highest in Matt Patricia's tenure. So that really all that needs to tell you about part of how they won the game. They played largely cover three, 26.1% of the time, and cover two, 21% of the time when they were in zone. Here's another interesting caveat here. In the fourth quarter, they went largely zone. I think it was 75% or so zone the 25% or so man, because entering the fourth quarter, it was a 50-50 split between zone and man for the Lions. Now, that 50-50 split, you might say, well, like, they were so they were still playing man half the time. Sure, but if you're playing 50-50 split, that means that you're keeping defenses guessing, you're being unpredictable, you're not showing your hand, and oh yeah, with the corners that you currently have, with a rookie who is clearly still struggling in Jeff Okuda, with a second-year player who frankly has started to look very good in Amani Awarie, running some zone will give them some protection. That's important. 
That kind of has to happen at this point. So this is a good strategy by Matt Patricia. The big question, of course, is will this continue? Because guess what they have next week? They've got an Atlanta Falcons offense that has a ton of talent. They've got Julio Jones. They've got Calvin Ridley. They've got Matt Ryan. Those guys are big game players. Big time players. If you run specific man against those guys and you don't get pressure on Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan for all the times that he will throw a Matt Ryan ball and it just ends up being a poorly thrown interception, he will beat you, especially with those two big time receivers. Because if Desmond Trufant doesn't come back, who are you lining up against Julio Jones? Is it Amani Awarie? Okay, sure. Maybe. Maybe that works. Is it Jeff Okuda? Well, I don't know if that works if you're running man. So you basically, I think, next week have to consider playing zone again. Because it also worked the last time you played a really high-profile wide receiver in DeAndre Hopkins. Hopkins obviously had a big day, but he didn't get in the end zone. And largely, Jeff Okuda kept DeAndre Hopkins in front of him. That's fine. Let guys like Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins get their yards. Do not let them wreck your game. So it would not shock me if you see a, maybe again kind of a 50-50-ish split next week when the Lions are playing the Falcons. That would not shock me because guess what? In week three, they played 55.6% man, 44.4% zone. So if Matt Patricia is truly evolving and learning and willing to maybe play more zone, even though that's not something he's ever done, at least at a 50-50 or better, split towards zone, then I think that shows one way he's evolving as a coach. And that's something the Lions really need to take going forward is realizing that, hey, the zone is going to work a little bit more. It's not always going to work. It gives up a high completion percentage. I think it depends on what you're trying to do and what you're trying to accomplish. But it showed that they can play it and that it can work and that Matt Patricia's defense can work in a zone type of situation. So one thing that I think the Lions really need to look at is this balance that they've been trying to achieve the last few weeks, keep doing it. With that, we're talking a little bit more about blitzing and pressure rates. Well, the Lions didn't blitz particularly more than they had in the past. They just, they they blitzed around the same. It was around 17 or so percent of dropbacks on Gardner Minshew is the amount of times that they blitzed. It just felt like they were getting home more. It felt like they were being more aggressive, blitzing from more places, whether it's from the safety with Tracy Walker, which has been largely effective when they've done that, the rare times that they've done that this year, or when they are blitzing with Jamie Collins, or whether they're sending Vitae or Jared Davis potentially on a blitz. These are are effective things because what it also does is it makes a quarterback think for another, you know, tenth of a second, five hundredths of a second, and that can be the difference between getting home and not. The Lions didn't get home much against Minshew, but they really did put a good amount of pressure on him. And frankly, if you're the Lions, you have to be happy with that. And I'm pulling up the exact numbers here again from our kind friends at ESPN Stats and information, and so they blitzed 17% of the time against Gardner Minshew. That is the third highest blitz rate for them this year. They blitzed Mitchell Trubisky 17.9% of the time, and they blitzed Aaron Rodgers 
21.2% of the time. Pressure, however, they did get pressure 34% of dropbacks. That is by far the highest the Lions have had all year. The next closest was Mitchell Trubisky when they pressured him 23.1% of the time. Other than that, it's been all under 20% for Detroit this year. So they have to figure out a way to continue bringing that pressure, whether that is being more exotic, whether that's continuing to rely on Romeo Okwara along with Trey Flowers to bring that pressure because Romeo Okwara is once again starting to look like the player he did when the Lions signed him or claimed him off waivers from the Giants in 2018. Last year, he didn't look like that. He struggled a bit last year. There's no doubt about that. But the Romeo Okwara, I think we're seeing now, even though the stats don't necessarily show up, he's 25 years old and he's really starting to look a little bit more like the player we saw in 2018. He's got a couple of sacks. He has a fumble recovery. So he's being a little bit more aggressive so far this year. And that's another bright spot I think that the Lions have to build on is using Okwara and Flowers together to create a bit more dynamic of a pass rush. And slowly, 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 it seems like it is working. By the way, I'm not saying he's perfect or anything like that because he's still only at a pass rush win rate of 18.3%. But look at the last couple of games. He won a quarter of his pass rush win rate, pass rush attempts against the Saints and was effective there. He won a quarter of his pass rush attempts against the Jaguars and he was effective there. This is good progress, it seems like, from Romeo Okwara. And I think it's something that the Lions can really build on going forward. Just a couple of other small notes and thoughts to kind of round out this podcast think the Lions are doing the right thing with Tracy Walker, making sure he's continually involved. Will Harris has been basically taken out of the rotation at safety. There is no rotation anymore. Will Harris played one snap against Jacksonville, and no offense to Will Harris, but between Deron Harmon and Tracy Walker and using more of J-Ron Curse in kind of a hybrid linebacker safety role, which Tracy Walker was playing, that's probably the three safeties you need to be keeping on the field more often than not, at least for now, because Will Harris was really struggling when he was in the game. So that's one thing that I kind of noticed that I thought was a benefit. The other thing is the Lions need to make sure this offensive line, rotation, whatever was going on against Jacksonville stops. Like, just don't mess around with this because there's just no reason to do it. Like, there's just not. Jonah Jackson is one of your five best offensive linemen, so it's not even like you're rotating a rookie in to get him some experience. Jackson needs to stay in the lineup. Frank Ragnow needs to be in the lineup. Taylor Decker needs to be in the lineup. Frankly, Joe Dahl probably needs to be in the lineup as well. And then, if you're making your decision between, I guess, Halapuli Vitae and... Tyrell Crosby, that's a tough call. Now, I realize that you paid Vitae a lot of money if you're the Lions, but I think you got to play your five best players. And is that Vitae? I don't know the answer to that question because I think Tyrell Crosby has played largely pretty well at right tackle. Obviously, both Crosby and Vitae were dealing with dehydration issues against Jacksonville uh, at what was a pretty apparently muggy day 
down in Florida. So I don't know what the Lions do here on the offensive line, but they need to figure it out and they need to commit to it. A rotation won't work. Now, does that mean sitting a guy who's probably deserving in Crosby? Maybe. Does it mean sitting a guy that you just paid a lot of money to in Vitae? Maybe. Does it mean sitting a guy in Dahl who's a good offensive lineman who you trust and who you have developed along the way? but probably can play any position on the line in a pinch? Maybe. Maybe you do one of those three. Maybe you just have to sit one of those three because Jonah Jackson has to play, Frank Ragno has to play, Taylor Decker has to play. So I don't know what you do there if you're the Lions. It's obviously a better problem to have than the alternative with some teams where you're just sitting there looking and not having capable linemen at all. Like, this is actually a good problem for Bob Quinn. This is, to me, I think the problem Bob Quinn has wanted since he took over as GM and consistently has tried to rebuild and rotate and go through and cycle through offensive linemen. I don't think he's ever quite had uh, a coaching staff that has had a problem like this. Usually it's a massive drop down in talent when a guy falls off if he gets hurt. And listen, if Taylor Decker or Frank Ragnow got hurt and couldn't play in a game, there would be a talent drop off. But... Between Crosby and Dahl and Jackson and Vitae and there's guys there that, that can play and that can be effective for you. Now, I don't know why Ode Abushi was in the game unless it was purely because of the other guys having dehydration. There's no need to go that far into your bench just to prove some sort of rotation. Like that just doesn't make sense. Again, I asked Matt Patricia about that and he said for this game. So we'll see what this looks like going forward against Atlanta. If they decide to rotate offensive linemen again, ah, I mean, I think you just throw your hands up and saying, what are you doing, man? Like, why why do this? Because if you have an offensive lineman that's working well, or an offensive line that's working well together, which they certainly had against Jacksonville, why make changes? Why pull the plug? Now, I get it in some ways because you're working Dahl back from injury, and then obviously the Lions had injury issues with dehydration, but... That should not be an every week occurrence. And if the Lions go down that road again, I think it will end up hurting their run game and hurting their continuity in their pass game more than anything else. Then if you just stick with the best five and you just know you have another guy back there that can come in in a pinch and play well. So that's all I've got for today. Thank you all for listening. Follow me on Instagram and on Twitter at Mike Rothstein. On Facebook at Michael Rothstein Journalist. Please feel free to Leave a five-star review if you happen to listen on Apple Podcasts or on iTunes. That only helps us going forward. Moreover, download, subscribe. That helps us even more than any sort of five-star with a nice review. As I said yesterday, as I'm going to probably continue to say for a while, Vaughn, thinking about you, man. And just going to report, try to try and report like you every day in my career. Also, my mom would have turned 69 years old today. She's been gone six years now. That still doesn't feel real either. So go hug your friends. Go hug your parents. Go tell the people that matter to you that you love them. Try to go do it every day. Tell people you appreciate them because you just never know how long they're going to be here. And with that, we'll talk to you tomorrow.
The wait is over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today. And get, take advantage of all of the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.